sing song number one, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
Let us begin our service in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our scripture reading is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll be reading verses, one to, or verses 6 to 11. Or, I think I put the wrong, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think I did put the, um, I realized a, a mistake that, that I made. Um, yeah, we're actually going to read verses um, 6 to 11. I mislabeled it and messed up there, but that's fine. Um, so we'll read 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses six to chapter five, verses six to eleven. First Peter chapter five, verses six to eleven. So you can see it there, starting with humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Almighty God, we come before you doing as your servant Peter has, instructing, has instructed, casting all our care on you as you care for us. We pray, dear Father, that you would be with us here this evening as we hear your word, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive it, that it may take root in us and spring up a well of eternal life. Dear Father, we pray for all those on our prayer list and all those who mourn. We pray for our nation. We pray that you would, as we have sung, come, Emmanuel. We pray, Lord, come quickly, that you would prepare our hearts for the celebration of Christmas that is to come during this Advent season. We commend this service into your fatherly care. In Jesus' name, amen. Now hear us, Lord, as together we pray that most perfect prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now we will sing number 17 a great and mighty a great and mighty wonder Oh 
of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> our sermon text is found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. And we read in Jesus' name. Then was Jesus led up, to the, led up of the Spirit to be tempted into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and sitteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou, shalt thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written, Again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word. We pray, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Advent is a time, a season set aside in the church year from ages past, where we, as the people of God, wait with anticipation and expectation for the birth of Christ. We do this by looking forward to his birth, or looking, looking backward to his birth, and also looking forward to his second coming. These, are both go, these both go hand in hand. What we're going to do is we're going to begin on these Wednesday evening services a three-part series. Martin Luther in the small catechism um, in the um, third petition, which is thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, he tells us about 
our threefold enemy, that which would seek to hinder us or hinder God and his will being done and hindering us from following it. This is what Luther says. The good and gracious will of God is done indeed without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may be, also, but that it may be done also among us. How is this done? When God defeats and hinders every evil counsel and purpose, which would not let us hallow God's name, nor let his kingdom come, such as the will of the devil, the world, and our repentance and keeps us steadfast in his word and in faith unto our end. This is his gracious and good will. So Luther tells us that the devil and the world and even our own flesh seek to hinder the will of God. We see this take shape quite clearly this time of year when we as a church wait and prepare for that celebration, but then we are tempted to doubt by the devil. Or we are tempted to forget and not be vigilant by the world, getting lost in how the world celebrates this holiday. Or even in our own vanity and greed, we get swallowed up in the idea of what we might get and we lose focus. So we'll look at each of those. Um, tonight we will look at um, how the devil seeks to hinder us from preparing for the celebration of Christmas. And then we will look at next week how the world seeks to hinder us. And then finally how our own sinful flesh does. So our text for today, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. And God speaks from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit which had descended upon him like a dove. And he's there for the express purpose of being tempted by the devil. And he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And afterward, he was hungry. This is probably the biggest understatement in all of Scripture. I think another word we could say is he was starving. But even then, that doesn't quite do it. And you notice the first thing the devil says to him is, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. What has God just said? The heavens literally opened up. And God made a declarative statement about who Jesus is. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And the devil comes to him right away and says, If you are, then do this. You see, the devil has one playbook. He is a twister of God's word. He did it in the garden. Did God really say? He did it here, and he does it to us. He tries to cast doubt on God's word. You notice even um, later on when he says to Jesus and he says, um, he quotes the scriptures. He says, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. 
That seems kind of nice that he's quoting the uh, that he's quoting the scriptures. But if we turn to Psalm ninety-one, the place that he's quoting, we'll see that uh, he doesn't quite give the whole picture. Uh, Psalm 91, verse 11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Conveniently left that part out, lest at any time thou dash the, thy foot against a stone. You see, the angels don't have charge concerning you to catch you if you fall, but to keep you in all of your ways. You see, the devil, his plan is to twist God's word so that we stop listening to it and start listening to him. And it's a subtle thing. And it happens in all of our lives and in all of our hearts when God's word gets twisted. How many times have you seen someone respond to a direct quotation of the scripture with a very opposite idea of what it actually says? I remember one time I was um, discussing um, with somebody, um, a, a theologian, and I don't, I don't need to get into the, the nitty-gritty of it, but I read a Bible verse, and um, they said, well, that's not what that means. Well, what does it mean then? And they, respond, they, they proceeded to say the exact opposite of what the plain thing actually says. We find that it is very easy to buy into that temptation, that twisting. But what does Jesus do when he is confronted with this attack of the devil? Well, he responds with what God's word actually says. He responds with what God has actually said. He says to the first one, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You see, the first thing the devil did was went after his belly. Just eat. Just make these stones into bread. And Jesus said, I don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The second and third temptation are kind of similar that Jesus deals with. He takes him to the pinnacle of the temple and says, if you're the son of, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written. The angels will catch you, basically. And a lot of times we think that this is um, this, that this temptation is kind of hard to understand, but I think it's quite easy. If Jesus were to plunge off of the pinnacle, the highest point of the temple, and then angels caught him and bore him down to the ground, there in the, right at the front of it, when everybody is there, would he have any problem proclaiming that he is the son of God to those people? Would he have any problem with them at all? Well, probably, because they're sinners. 
But that's kind of, I think, what the devil is trying to do. To thwart God's perfect will. But God overcomes him. The third temptation, he offers him all the kingdoms of the world. If he would just worship him. And Jesus quotes, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You don't need the cross. You don't need to purchase them with your blood. Just bow to me and I'll give it all to you. But Jesus doesn't buy into that. And you see, the most amazing thing about all of these temptations and the way that it's handled is if we were to look at our own lives, the devil has tempted us. He's tempted us to sin. He's tempted us to doubt. He's tempted us to despair. He's tempted us to all sorts of different things. And we, if I were to ask you if you've ever resisted that temptation, you might be able to come up with a few times. But it pales in comparison to the amount of times that we fell for it, hasn't it? When he puts before our eyes that which our flesh desires, but the spirit recoils against. And we fall and fail time and time again. Adam and Eve fell and failed time and time again. The children of Israel failed time and time again. David, who was the apple of his eye, failed time and time again. In fact, when you read the Old Testament, all you really see is people failing time and time again. And when we look at our own life in light of the Ten Commandments, we have no other thing but to see that we fail time and time and time again, even as Christians. The good and gracious will of God is done indeed without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it would be done among, done among us, Luther says. Our prayer is that we would not fail, but that God's will would be done. And how is that done? When God breaks and hinders every evil counsel of the devil. The world and our own sinful flesh that would prevent those things from happening, that would prevent us from howling or desiring his kingdom to come. So we know Adam and Eve failed. The children of Israel failed. King David failed. We failed. But Jesus, after fasting 40 days, does he fail? No. He succeeds. And you know, Paul says something quite amazing about Jesus. He says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. You see, when Jesus was baptized, he was joining himself, identifying himself as one who needed to repent for the forgiveness of his sins. If somebody was there observing that proceeding, they would see sinners going down into the water and coming out and receiving forgiveness. And they would have seen nothing different with Christ. They would have assumed there is a sinner going down in the water, and there is one forgiven after, except for the fact that the Holy Spirit descended and the clouds opened. His was a little more marvelous than others. But he steps into the place of sinners, yet he is not one. And in our place, he is tempted by the devil. And in your place, he does not fall. In your place, 
he resists him. And doesn't just give us an example. He doesn't just equip us with the way that we can deal with our own temptation and our own failure and sin. He gives us his righteousness so that the devil actually has no power over us. In Christ Jesus, we have one who has overcome the devil for us. So that even when we fail, he is faithful. And this is what Advent really encapsulates. That he is faithful. That he is coming again. And it is in looking to him and his mercy and grace that we are best able to prepare to celebrate Christmas. That's what it's all about. Not the presents, not the lights, not the fanfare. Though we like all of those things. Not even our efforts in praising or worshiping him. But it's about his love and his grace that extends to sinners like you and me. And it is in looking to him and saying with the evangelist John, come quickly, Lord Jesus, that we prepare to celebrate Christmas. It is in looking around at this broken world and this fallen order and yet seeing the Lamb of God who takes away our sin and understanding that he was born that day. That is how we prepare for Christmas. No matter how the devil would try to hinder us, we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who has forgiven us all our sins, redeemed us by his blood, so that when we stand before God, it is not the failure that we are, that he sees, but is the perfection of his son, so that he says the very same thing to us that he said to Jesus. You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. So be at peace tonight, dear Christian, and eagerly await Christmas morning. Because just as he came in the manger, so he will come again, and he will come for us and for our salvation. Amen. Let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks. Thanks for the robe of righteousness that we have in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray, O oh Lord, strengthen us in our walk and in our faith so that we may endure the temptation of the devil, that we may not fall to his tricks or his wiles, but as Peter says, that we would resist him steadfast, knowing that we are not alone in our affliction, but that we have each other and we have you. To that end we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now we will now we will sing
number 12, thou didst leave thy throne. Next Wednesday night, we'll have supper again at 5.30 and then service at 6.30. Men's group uh, three serves next week, Wednesday night. Now we will sing number four, Regis, re Rejoice all ye believers.
Oh, Jesus, now appear. 